Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. This week's episode is brought to you by AppCues. Have you ever launched a new feature that went unused? Waited days or even weeks to get that user data you requested? You're not alone. We're still way too dependent on developers. That's why product marketers around the world are calling AppCues their new favorite product marketing tool. AppCues empowers product marketers to measure and improve product adoption without a developer. Brands like Amplitude, Privy, Fullstory, and Lyft use AppCues to track feature usage and engage users with in-app onboarding tours, feature announcements, and surveys. No code required. Visit appcues.com to start your free trial today. This week, I'm chatting with Kavya Nath, Vice President of Product Marketing at Crisp. Before joining Crisp a short time ago, Kavya spent six years at Sprinkler, where she grew from a Senior Manager of Product Marketing into the Senior Director of Product Marketing role. Now, as VP Product Marketing at Crisp, Kavya is leading the team and their efforts to manage the ship from a B2C approach to a B2B one. Speaking of Crisp, they are one of many tech companies that saw an explosion in use during the transition from office to in-home work. As an AI-powered app that removes background noise and echo from using only the human voice, Crisp cuts out the noise of the world around us to allow you to not only sound as professional as you are, but to focus on the conversation and work in front of you. During our conversation, Kavya and I chat about the relationship between product marketing and demand generation. With a shared focus on growth marketing, these teams rely heavily on one another to drive action across the entire marketing funnel. All right, with that out of the way, let's do it. Hey, Kavya, how's it going? Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. Good, thanks. Happy to have you here today. Super excited for our conversation. Yes, same. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's just get right into it then. Would you mind giving our listeners a bit of an overview of your career thus far and what you do today as VP of Product Marketing at Crisp? Yes, absolutely. So my career initially started out um, a bit more on the ad tech side, working for companies and products that helped optimize advertising, buying, ad publishing, campaign management. Um, From there, I moved over to work with B2B be enterprise companies um, that focused on social media management solutions. Most recently, uh, before Crisp, I was at Sprinkler for six years, um, working on initially their ad solution and then slowly moving up and across to manage a team that oversaw all the entire product suite. Um, I just joined Crisp about a month ago as their VP of product marketing. Uh, the company has done a really amazing job growing you know, bottom up with a B2C approach. But what I'm going to be doing um, moving forward is really helping to build out um, the B2B enterprise arm of the business and product marketing focused on B2B enterprise, still supporting the B2C side a little bit. But I think initially um, the most, most of my time will be focused on the, on the B2B um, enterprise growth of the company. That's awesome. Yeah. And it sounds like you've joined Crisp at, at quite an exciting time. And I'll, I'll get into exactly why I think it's super exciting with my next question. But before I dive into that, I'm curious, how do you feel that background uh, in ad tech and social has helped you as a product marketer? Have you found any benefits in kind of the experience you've had to date in building that toolkit, specifically from that ad tech and, and social space? I do. I think it gives you know, as a product marketer, it gives me a unique perspective in the ways in which to engage with B2B enterprise folks, right? I mean, the sales model for B2C is so different from B2B. And when you're looking at the different channels and the ways in which you can, you know, engage with that prospective customer base versus a direct one-to-one engagement, um, I do think I've learned a lot just about the different channels 
you know, what different targeting and outreach opportunities that there are. And I think it does help formulate a, a different perspective. And then going into our conversation, you know, as we progress, how we ultimately work with demand gen, right? And the types of sort of strategies and structure that we can put into place as we're thinking of, you know, campaigns, content strategies um, to really help better that full marketing engine that we're trying to build. Absolutely. And I would imagine, you know, uh, from product marketing, kind of owning that positioning and messaging and what you're seeing out into the market, having understanding for how it's going to be told and through which channels, exactly. I would imagine makes your ability to approach that positioning and messaging that much more effective. Yes, absolutely. And again, I'm sure, you know, all of us as, as marketers in either, you know, in the software, hardware, et cetera, space have have been part of a marketing funnel, right? Of a solution that, you know, somebody is trying to, to advocate and to sell to us to make our lives and our jobs easier. And so really being able to kind of be in the middle of that with an understanding of how the entire ecosystem works absolutely does give um, a really unique perspective as you're trying to do that for your own company and your own products and services. For sure. For sure. Well, let's take a moment to chat about Chris for a second and I'll, I'll just say real quick, I actually started using Crisp when you and I were chatting about setting up a conversation today, and I've been using it actually to record all these podcasts. So if listeners have noticed a dramatic improvement in the quality of, of how I sound, it's definitely, I would think, uh, because of Crisp. So quick shout out there. Um, but on, on that subject, you know, Crisp was recently named one of America's most promising artificial intelligence companies, as well as one of the 100 best inventions of 2020 by time. I, I'm curious, what does recognition like that do for a company's product marketing efforts? Well, I think right off the bat, I'm smiling for those of you who cannot see me. <laughs> um, and I think it's great that you're using it. And I think it validates our product and market fit right off the bat, right? And it gives us that, that leverage and that stepping stone um, to, to, to just know and see that there is a huge need, right, for this solution across all different industries. And that's going to continue to grow as the world evolves, right? Work today is very different from what it was in 2019, 2018. And I think the ability for the company to get that recognition really does show this is a solution that's going to be needed. Um, and as a product marketer, it allows us to pick up from that momentum, right? Of that type of recognition and really immerse ourselves into how are our customers evolving? How is business operations? How's the workforce evolving? And really getting to understand what are the needs? What are the emerging needs that we might not even be aware of today? And as a product marketer, I think, you know, A, it's great that this, this technology is, is resonating and people are loving it and it is useful and powerful in that way. But how do we begin to evolve with the workforce as it evolves and how people work, how that evolves. And so it's really gonna come down to making sure that we stay in lockstep with our customer base and really understanding the pain points and the needs and making sure that that gets translated back into the product roadmap. And are we building against, you know, essentially what is going to be something that sticks and that stays, right, as, as the workplace evolves? over the next several years. And we're, I think, you know, we're all sort of here to see what that means. And, you know, at the end of the day, it helps us be more confident in the way that we're able to communicate with each other. Um, everyone, you know, you've had to pick up and work in so many different environments and just having the ability to, to not have to worry about the background noise, you know, <laughs> so to speak, and say, I'm gonna, I can focus on my job and I don't have to worry about what's happening behind me. And I think um, there's a lot of value there in just, again, staying really in touch with the customer base, really in touch with the market and knowing that 
we have a time and a place here as a technology and just making sure that we evolve with it and continue to grow. Definitely. And there's, a, there's an insight that I think you brought up that I really want to highlight for our listeners. And that's oftentimes, I think the tendency for businesses when they get that kind of recognition and they achieve those awards is to react with, okay, let's get the PR release ready. Let's, you know, let's get the news out there. Let's write a blog about it. Like, let's promote this accomplishment as much as possible. But I think what you've highlighted um, for me, at least, is that it's great to, you know, bask in that accomplishment and, and you know, uh, have the fun at the office of, of achieving that kind of uh, recognition, but not to less rest on your laurels and not let the opportunity to get that, you know, huge boost in awareness, um, provide yourself with the opportunity to collect that engagement and that feedback and that insight into what existing and new customers are doing with your product because of that recognition and to use that to evolve the product itself, uh, whether that's through actual product developments, as you said, or, or through how you, again, how you position the product in market. I, I think that's something that, you know, sometimes the tendency, like I said, on marketing teams is to just get the news out there and move on to the next thing without taking the second to like really use that as a springboard for, for change and for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're in a very unique position in that sense, right? Where, again, the company really grew and continues to grow through just sort of like kind of a B2C approach where I start using it. I tell my friends about it and there's been such a great momentum in that way. But now you start getting teams that are utilizing it and companies that are utilizing it. And it really does enhance the quality and productivity that that you're able to have in your day-to-day work life. If you're sitting at home with your children behind you, you've got a dog barking, you're on a train, whatever it might be, um, it really just, again, catapults you and gives you that confidence to know that, hey, what I'm focused on right now is what I'm doing here, um, first and foremost in front of me. For sure. And as someone who has spent the last, you know, however many months at this point, working at home with a toddler and a newborn and my wife on maternity leave, uh, Christmas definitely helped, like you said, keep me focused and, and have some of that noise not filter into the podcast, which I'm sure our listeners appreciate. Um, but enough about Chris for the time being. Let's let's just shift gears for a second and really dive into the topic of our conversation today. And that's the relationship between product marketing and demand gen, as we said earlier. You know, in, in doing some research and prep for our conversation, you know, I, I came across a couple different articles that really argued product marketing bringing the art and demand generation bringing the science to the marketing table. I'm curious, would you agree with that assessment or do you have a different take on that? I actually, I do agree with that assessment. And I think it really comes down to, you know, these are two teams that have to be working in lockstep with each other. And when you talk about the art and the science, right, you've got product marketing as a department or or a part of the marketing overall organization that's really working to bring together the foundational elements of who's your target audience? Who's your competitive set? Where do you sit in the market today? How do you create messaging and positioning to reach that audience? Is it through content? Is it through events? Is it through, you know, live interaction and and conversations like this from podcasts to webinars? And so it's sort of that culmination of all of the information that product marketing is gathering and trying to paint a picture of the customer, their needs, their wants, and the market and where your product and service sits in it. And then needing to partner with a team like DemandGen who again, they're the domain experts of the channels in which that you put this message out into the world, right? Where your consumers are gonna see it. And it is, there's a science behind it. It's the understanding of what levers to pull when, how much budget, for how long, 
who are we reaching? Are we reaching the right person? And then be able to make those real-time adjustments as you're doing that to make sure that you are sort of building that, um, that pipeline and that funnel. And so, yeah, thinking about it as, you know, the art and the science really does make sense because the art is sort of painting the big picture, right? Of these are all of the elements that you need to have kind of show up. And this is the science of how, you know, the painting all comes together, so to speak, or, you know, how the campaign comes together. And so I definitely see it almost as like a yin and yang of, of two teams that work together to really make the whole. For sure. And I think, you know, you, you said so many great things in that answer just now, but I think to your point of this idea of them needing to be in lockstep with another, I think is super important. I think it's great for at various times throughout the week or the month, whatever that cadence looks like for demand gen to come and, you know, share its findings with the larger marketing org, as well as product marketing as part of that org. But it's then on product marketing to take that reporting and that performance and adjust to your point, different campaigns, or, or again, like the messaging that's leveraging and seeing and relying on demand gen to inform whether or not it's actually resonating with the audiences that we're trying to resonate with. But then also, you know, I've, I've worked for a variety of companies in my career and I've seen it done a little bit differently, but you know, I've often seen demand gen just sometimes turn into so much of the science that they just end up reporting numbers. And then it's up to others across the org to interpret that and, and inform their day-to-day and how they're achieving their goals. And I think the mark of a, a great demand generation team, in my opinion, is one that's able to look at those numbers and actually make recommendations for each of the teams uniquely to help that team do a better job. Um, and on that topic of that relationship, you know, I'm curious throughout your career, you've obviously worked with a number of demand gen teams um, as a product marketer and as in other roles. Has the relationship between those two teams differed depending on the setup of the, the marketing team itself or the larger organization, or has it been pretty consistent? So I think it has definitely varied. Um, I've worked at organizations where, you know, demand gen, again, like you mentioned, is very much the I'm going to do exactly as you say, and here's the results of that with no interpretation of, hey, actually, you know, we, we might have run this at, uh, you know, over a holiday weekend that we didn't intend to that could have impacted numbers or, you know, we targeted this subset of our prospective customer base the language might not have resonated because X, Y, and Z, maybe we should A, B test something else. So it's twofold, right? Absolutely. You have teams that are very much the experts of their domain and know why something may or may not have worked. If it didn't, here's my recommendation. And then product marketing can take that and make the tweaks. Um, I think in what the, the slight change in structure that I'm starting to see, and this is sort of where the growth marketing aspect comes into play, right? Is I think Product marketing plus demand gen equals growth marketing. That's sort of my equation of, of how these two things work together. And a lot of companies have a separate department that is focused on growth marketing. And, and this is different from, you know, what product-led growth and, and other things that, um, that teams might be working on. And so when I think about um, what has worked in the past, I sort of feel like, I'm coming back, and, and this is something that we implemented at Sprinkler um, uh, shortly before, over the last six months uh, before I left. And I think this is where you can really start to see success is almost creating these growth pods, right? Where you have truly a product marketer and a, a demand gen lead that are working, like I said, in lockstep together to really define what is the customer journey, right? And it comes down to really understanding what the, what is the journey that you're wanting to take a customer on to get to that end result of, you know, 
it could be engaging with you depending on what part of the funnel you're in. It could be actually whipping out a credit card and purchasing a license to something that you're selling. It could be subscribing to something, but what is the action that we are wanting someone to take that defines our customer journey and our funnel that can, again, help these two teams essentially craft what is that what does that process look like, right? What does the yellow brick road look like for that customer? And it's gonna take expertise on both sides. And typically the expertise on the science and the how to execute has always lived with, with demand gen. Um, product marketing is sort of bringing all of the elements together that demand gen needs to be able to paint that picture. Um, but to me, it really, it really comes from working almost in that pod structure. I've seen less success in the, let me just dictate to you how it's done and then demand gen goes and puts it out and then you're not, and the product marketers and the other marketing teams don't have full visibility into the why of you know results of a campaign or initiative that you might've kicked off. And it's really having folks that can distill and understand the why of the metrics that are being reported on, you know, what we're saying, why it might be resonating, why it might not be, for the rest of the team to really come back, assess, analyze, and then again, optimize that journey, optimize the messaging. You know, it could be, hey, we might need to go back and talk to a few more customers on a few things that we may have understood incorrectly, right? And that's, again, what product marketing as a function can take and continue to do a bit more of the qualitative, quantitative assessment to then come back around to test again. And so to me, that's sort of the the ideal working scenario. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, and I'm curious, and you mentioned this kind of earlier in our conversation, uh, Chris, specifically, you know, this kind of shift from B to C to more of this B to B play or kind of along that transition, do you foresee the relationship or the collaboration between product marketing and demand gen change as a result of that shift in focus or, or at least evolve in some way? Absolutely. And I think that's kind of what I mentioned before we chatted where this is timely because we're having those discussions right now. We had a demand gen slash acquisition marketing team um, right at the company who has seen amazing success, again, having more of that B2C approach. Now, what does that mean for the competencies and the expertise needed to do demand gen for B2B? It's very different from B2C, right? And so I think it also comes down to understanding the channels. We've used specific channels for the B2B, or sorry, the B2C side. Do we need to expand our channel coverage and our channel expertise when it comes to you know, reaching the B2B buyer or the enterprise buyer? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. And really understanding where are the gaps currently that we need to fill. Now with sort of looking at the big picture, I do still think that demand gen and whether it be for B2C or B2B should all live within the same umbrella or the same sub-department within marketing. Um, but it does, yes, it, there is a difference. And it's the, how do you expand what's already been happening for B2C to also you know, encompass the B2B engine that we're wanting to implement um, is part of the conversation right now. And to me, it's, you know, we've had conversations of, well, maybe since product marketing's, you know, focus is going to be enterprise B2B, maybe demand gen should sit with product marketing. And I don't necessarily think that's the right approach. Now I'm all for testing it. Let's give it a shot. If we want to make acquisition marketing and demand gen strictly stay the B2C function, absolutely. But again, I can't sit here and say that I'm the demand gen expert, right? And so that would require me to sort of bring on a different level of of expertise and, and background to my team. Now, 
that also leads the way to maybe certain things being duplicative, right? Do you have a B2C email marketing team and a B2B email? So this is, again, the conversation, the debate that we're having internally is having a look at it from a channel-specific view, I think will help us create the dependencies and the competences we need for both sides of the business. But again, keeping it under demand gen, I think is what in terms of processes and workflows internally are going to make the most sense. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like, like I said before, it sounds like a very exciting time at Chris for a variety of reasons, but focusing on that one specifically, you know, to your point, demand gen, they can become these channel experts and they obviously have this kind of subject matter expertise, at least today at Crisp in B2C. But to your point, some of those channels might not necessarily work for the new audiences that you're trying to, to speak with. But at the end of the day, you can kind of assess and test and experiment the robustness of an existing channel or a new one in the same way you would before, right? Like if, if we, to use the analogy again, if demand gen is a science, all scientific experiments follow a very robust structure. So if demand gen in that transition can apply that same structure to these new channels, even though they're talking to different audiences, at least the approach fundamentally doesn't change. So I'm curious, do you foresee that kind of happening at Crisp where it's like, hey, these are the new channels we want to try and demand gen will kind of approach it in the same way? Or do you think there needs to be an additional shift in even just that approach? So that's a great question. And I think the distinction there really is going to come down to what are the goals of each of these, right? I think for the B2B motion, right, the sales cycle tends to be a little bit longer than for B2C because the, the decision maker may not always be the person that is you know, engaging with the brand or um, the one looking into or exploring new solutions. And so I think when you look at what the goals might be, again, and how you're qualifying leads, I wouldn't say you would necessarily measure the same sort of B2B marketing program against the same levers that you might've been measuring B2C. I think what you really need to do is sort of assess the goals, right? and say, okay, for a B2B um, deal, for a B2B enterprise deal, we might say we need to get three engagements before this actually becomes marketing qualified to then be able to you know, be sales accepted and pass through the funnel. And so really understanding, again, back to the customer journey, what the goals are for that engagement, for that campaign, and you know, what we would like to come out of a B2B demand gen program versus a B2C demand gen program, I think will allow us to see where we need to expand and where we can maybe, yeah, apply some of the things that have been working for B2C that look like they are also working for, B2, uh, for B2B. And it's going to come down to the testing and learning aspect of it, right? And then expanding based on what do we want to try that's, you know, that's new and that we haven't done in the past that might reach somebody that we haven't been able to get to yet. Okay. So I, th I think that's great. And, and I think that gives me a good opportunity to jump into my next question here. And it's around obviously the, the, the marketing funnel and the focus each of those teams is going to have on a different part of that funnel. I think there's often an assumption that product marketing should be more focused on, you know, top of funnel activities, whereas demand gen typically focuses on like, you know, the bottom of funnel ones. Uh, would you say that in reality, that assumption is, is more false often than it is true. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. I do. And I think it's because we need to be looking at the entire funnel, right? What do you, it, as a product marketer, if my focus is on top of the funnel and demand gen then needs to sort of come in mid to late, but they haven't been part of, again, creating that customer journey and what does that look like for a consumer? 
anything that product marketing puts out is going to come to a standstill if we don't have the second and third step figured out, right? And whether, again, that's maybe that's time to bring in the SDR team to engage once you get to certain actions, right? Towards the mid later funnel. It could be, do we need to have a, a, a content strategy build out for that? And so, and again, each of those areas is definitely supported by product marketing. So I do think as a product marketer, it's not just top of funnel. I think we need to be looking at the entire funnel, again, in lockstep with the demand gen team to make sure that nothing's breaking down once we get past a certain point, because that's ultimately going to be impacted in how your sales pipeline gets built, right? And so it really is an acquisition to sale model where you have to be looking at the conversion or the again, the journey, the process from one end to the other um, to really understand what's working and what's not. Otherwise, I'd be sitting here saying, okay, well, I have, you know, 100 leads came in, for example, through this, so my job's done. And then you've got demand gen, like, okay, well, then how do we at least get, you know, 50 to 75% of these people through the rest of the funnel? And there has to be, there has to be a content strategy, there has to be an engagement strategy, and that all comes to light and comes together, again, using the foundational pieces that product marketing, you know, works day in and day out on really trying to understand the market, the buyer, um, the pain points and the needs. So we can ensure that that, that story is being communicated right throughout the funnel. Um, and it's, again, you're taking customers along with you and really understanding the value of the product and services that you're trying to sell. Yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. I think, you know, as product marketers, when we're tasked with looking at things like developing the go-to-market strategy and the narrative and positioning and messaging for the solutions we're trying to get in market, you have to have that, you know, holistic view of not just the funnel through the perspective of demand gen, but as you mentioned, through the sales team as well. And, you know, we often talk about product marketing kind of being as in, in the middle of a bunch of different teams and the setup depends on obviously the organization, but at the end of the day, product marketing needs to be that connective tissue especially when it comes to things like the funnel between each of those teams to ensure that that pass off and that handoff is happening smoothly. And that all aspects of that customer journey, as you said, are be, is being considered in that holistic view. So I think it's important um, you know, for product marketers who are listening and kind of thinking about how they can approach those conversations with demand gen or with sales to really not just focus on the area of the funnel that they might assume that team is responsible for, but really understand like, no, we're in this together. We all own this funnel. I might have, an opportunity as a product marketer to influence different parts of it in different ways. But ultimately I have to work very closely with sales and demand gen to ensure that every piece of that funnel is moving effectively and efficiently and as successfully as it possibly can. Absolutely. And if you think about it, right, like it's almost like you're telling a story and your funnel and that customer journey are the different chapters that you're telling that story to. So, you know, chapter one starts with a certain a certain, um, a certain strategy, a certain part of the narrative or the overall um, picture that, you know, you're trying to, to tell the story against. But then, like you said, once you get down to the sales part of it, you, that narrative has to continue. You have to continue to sell and tell the story against, you know, what we're trying to put out in market that's going to resonate with prospective buyers and really have them, you know, articulate the value and what the outcome is going to be of using a specific service or technology. Um, to, and then that again, you know, we can get into the the next topic could be the the customer, the journey post sale, right? Which is again talking through uh, adoption, retention, which 
might not have so much to do with like the demand gen aspect of it, but again, is takes that customer on that journey, right? To make sure that um, the value that you're trying to sell and bring into their world does resonate and, and, and stick with the pains that they're, they're trying to solve for. Yeah. You're the hundred percent couldn't agree more, you know, I, and I really like that, that kind of book analogy with the different chapters and, you know, it's very few authors. If you think about it, can kind of do that disjointed storytelling very effectively. I don't think a business or a product marketer should attempt to do that themselves. I think it needs to be that co- cohesive linear story. And maybe there's a, a bit of a choose your own adventure element because there's, you know, the funnel, you're not always, yeah. you know, engaging directly down at all the time. You're kind of as a buyer moving around and interacting with the business and, and representatives in different ways at different times. But I think another insight that you uncover that I really want to highlight is after the sales over that story is not over. You have to keep telling yeah. that story, right? Like you, you need to ensure that whether it's your success team or your support team or your account managers, that narrative is still being communicated effectively through those, through those partners and through those teams. So that from a customer, I feel like I'm reading the same book. I'm not all of a sudden, you know, going from a nonfiction to a fiction or, you know, insert your, your theme of uh, and style of choice there. But yeah, I think that's a great insight. So I really wanted to make sure that our listeners uh, come away with that. Yeah, no, I, and that's kind of how I, I think about it. Right. And you're right. There is a choose your own adventure aspect to it. And that really comes down to how are you nurturing? Right. And that goes into a whole other side of the demand gen piece that, you know, we, we, we're sort of implying, but, you know, is a big part of how you continue to keep people along that journey with you. For sure. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic. I've really appreciated your time and, and really our conversation today. I think we've you know, really got into the, the heart uh, and some interesting topics around that relationship between product marketing and dimension. So I, I appreciate that. And thank you for that. Uh, which leads us to my last question. And it's one I started just recently asking to all my guests. So I'll ask it to you as well. Uh, and that is, if you could be a product marketer at any company in the world for any product or service they offer, what company and solution would you choose and why? That is a fantastic question. And, you know, I'm honestly, truly, honestly going to have to say I am exactly where I should be right now. Um, Both, you know, because I think the technology is great and I really believe in what the company is is working on and doing and how it's going to, you know, help so many people. Um, But also because it's a very unique time to be at the company as a product marketer, right? And that's what I'm really excited about is being able to to bring my background and expertise and really grow a team that can help the company grow. And I think for me, that's that's what I'm always looking for, right? It's sort of the next challenge and it's an exciting challenge to be tackling right now. So um, I definitely would say where I am right now is exactly where I, I would probably choose to be. That's awesome. Yeah. It's great to hear when, you know, a product marketer has found themselves an organization that has that blend of things that they look for in a perfect job and a perfect role and a perfect opportunity. It sounds like you found that. So, so happy to hear that. And, and, um, I'm sure other product marketers, whether they're looking to get in or make that next leap, um, to another position, it's important for them to consider not just, you know, the company in terms of what they do and the service or solution that they're providing, but also they need to consider what stage is that company in its, in its growth? What kinds of challenges are they facing? What kind of opportunities are in front of them? And can you, as a product marketer, help that company move the needle in that way? Um, so I think yeah. that's an important kind of lens through which any prospective product marketer should look. So I appreciate you kind of 
uh, that answer and that perspective, um, because I think it's important for product marketers to hear it. Yep, I, th those are all extremely valuable things to um, evaluate as you look at, you know, what you're doing today and what, you know, anybody as a product marketer wants to be doing in their career. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. Like I said, I, I really appreciate your time today, Kavya. I've really enjoyed our conversation and, and the insights you've shared. Um, but before I let you go, I'll ask you if, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, maybe they're looking to uh, further their relationship with their own demand gen team, or maybe they're looking to spin up a product marketing team themselves, or, or again, be part of the creation or evolution of an existing demand gen team. How can they get in touch with you? Um, LinkedIn's probably the best. You can also find me on the Product Marketing Alliance Slack channel. So feel free to reach out. Um, I'm on both all the time. So <laughs> LinkedIn and Slack's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. And I look awesome. forward to it. I, I love um, collaborating with product marketers and just learning about you know what everyone's dealing with. So happy to help. Happy to have a conversation um, and learn and and you know help help guide if I can. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're like me and you're working from home, like many of us are, go to Chris's website, try it out. It's a great solution. Like I said, I've been using it myself for a little over three or four weeks now, recorded the last couple episodes uh, with it. And uh, yeah, it's been great so far. So if you haven't already, check it out, get in touch with Kavya. And with that, I will let you go. So thank you so much, Kavya. We'll definitely be in touch and chat again in the future. Great. It was so lovely to speak with you. Thanks, Mark. For everyone still tuned in, Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.